Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. So hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today I'm receiving Matt Roberts or Matthew Roberts. Uh, I'm going to call you Matt, if that's fine for you. So welcome to the show, Matt. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a a nice Tuesday morning and it's fresh, fresh air coming through my window. So I can't beat that. Where are you located right now? Because you know, for people who don't know about Matt, it's this really annoying dude on LinkedIn who's always sharing, uh, you know, what his best location is either working in Mexico or, you know, he's, he always has the best views. So where are you right now? Right now, I'm, I'm in my uh, my home of Sacramento because the, the holidays are coming up. So Thanksgiving's about two days away. Uh, so I'm, I'm staying put for the you know next month and a half or so. Okay, great. So... That's good to hear. So basically, Matt, if we I scroll through your LinkedIn profile, you're basically kind of a remote first. So you've been doing a lot of remote. Uh, for those who don't know you, like, I mean, I guess everyone knows you. You're, you're posting pictures where you are in different locations. I think the first one I saw about you was like uh, in Lake Tahoe or something like that with a, a nice whiskey. So it sounded really cool. Um, you used to work at Chili Piper where you were an SDR manager and director of sales development. And now you're working for a company called Mosaic Tech or Mosaic, basically, and uh, you're doing it remote. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the lifestyle of working remote when we're doing sales development and understanding everything about that. So before we dive into it, can you maybe tell us a bit more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I appreciate the intro there. And uh, yeah, I guess a little bit about me. Um, Grew up in Northern California, went to school down in UCSB. Uh, I actually studied film and media. Um, I wanted to be a writer, went down to LA, worked there for about a little over a year, uh, did a lot of um, reality, reality TV, worked on American Idol, uh, did a lot of music videos and things like that. Um, but again, the whole goal was, uh, was to be a writer. And so I realized I didn't need to actually live in LA. It's kind of funny. It kind of translates into this remote world that we're talking about right now. Uh, I realized I didn't need to live in LA to write. You can do that wherever you're at. Um, so I ended up moving back to Santa Barbara, where um, a, fun, a few of my friends had just started working at Appfolio, uh, which is a tech company, had just kind of started up. Uh, and they you know, said, hey, why don't you come work here? I think you'd like it. That was sort of my introduction to tech. Really, really loved working there. Um, got to work with a bunch of my friends, uh, get to you know, learn a little bit about sales. And um, I never grew up thinking I was going to go into tech sales. Uh, that was never a goal of mine or anything like that. Um, just sent it 
sort of something I fell into, but I loved it. Uh, and then after about a year or so of, of uh, being an AE after, um, I think I was there for about two and a half years, but the last uh, half of that being an AE, selling to lawyers, after a while, I got pretty bored of it. So I called up my uh, best friend who was in San Diego, asked if he wanted to quit his job and go travel Europe with me. Uh, he said, yes, why not? So we, we took off um, and we just got one-way tickets. We, you know, I think we were there for about four months or so. We came back. Uh, wanted to do something creative, so we started a, a game called Pair, which is a, like a positive uh, card conversation starting game. Um, did that for you know a good year and a half, then needed to pay the bills again. And so um, I actually reached out to my old sales director that was still at Atfolio, uh, and again, to kind of tie back in this remote world, asked if uh, I could come back and work remotely. There was no remote employees at the time. This is about 2017. Uh, I think she pulled some strings and she brought me back was able to do that for a little bit. Uh, then she ended up moving to a different department and I had a new sales director come in and say, hey, who's this guy living up in Chico? Uh, we're all down, you know, boots on the floor in, in Santa Barbara. Yes, when I was coming back to Santa Barbara, said that I'm not. Uh, and then that kind of ended there. And uh, then that's actually what led me to Chili Piper. So I was looking for remote work. Um, I had always been somebody who we can dive deeper into this, but realized, you know, I'm going to sit there and, and crank away as much work as I can. And Sometimes I don't want to do it at my desk. Sometimes I like sitting on the couch and sometimes I like, um, you know, standing up and walking around and not being stuck in one spot. Um, and so once I got at Chili Piper, I think that really allowed me to blossom and, and succeed, uh, being that it was completely remote. And, uh, you know, fast forward another two and a half years and now I'm here at Mosaic standing up the sales development team. Again, a, a remote first company. So, um, you know, obviously post COVID world, a lot of opportunities now with remote work, but um, I, I think I, I really fell into the love of remote work, you know, two or three, four years before COVID happened. So, okay, a little summary. So you were doing that before it was trendy. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, so I'm, I'm really curious. Then, um, so it's become some kind of like, uh, you know, now we all kind of in free work in tech, and um, we, we kind of realize the, the kind of idiocy of driving to work to sit down mm -hmm. in front of a computer. And do calls with customers we can do it better you know like in uh, in our own companies but i'm really curious to know like uh how how you you know like why was something so important for you from the get-go to basically be remote yeah that's a great question um so i think you know the story that i used to always tell is um like i said at, at folio there was a good chunk of my friends um, that i went to university with and we all worked there so we'd always go and get lunch together Uh, there's probably about five or six of us. And so I'd say, you know, 50% of our lunches would end in, why do we have to go back to the office? Like we would take late lunches. So we'd go at like two o'clock or something. We'd get there around seven. Um, so, you know, we'd work about seven hours straight and then we'd go to lunch and we'd sit there like, all right, like we have to go back, but what do we do? Like a lot of us, you know, you already had dialed through your list, you know, two or three times. I sent all the follow-up emails. I'd already started prepping for the next day, but it's like, why do I need to go back? Like what, what I just had to sit there so that my manager can one day tell me like, all right, it's time to go. Um, and so I think that mindset was always there. Like I would always, you know, imagine this idea of getting my work done and, and going and living my life. And so you can't do that when you have to be there from a certain time frame. Um, I also remember one of the best days I ever had um, on that sales team was actually when I was like super sick. And so I, I texted my manager and I was like, Hey, um, like, I feel awful. I'm not coming in today, but it was like near the end of the month. And there's a lot of stuff that I wanted mm -hmm. to get done. 
So I was like, I'm just going to work from home. Like, if that's okay. And, and she's like, yeah, sure. I mean, do whatever you need to do. And I think I booked, you know, like nine meetings or something that day. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, what is he doing? And, and people are making jokes. Like, is, you know, did he hire some people to work for him or something? But it was in that mindset, like, cool. I'm in my space. I'm in my bed. And I was sick, but yeah. I got my job done. And so what I always like was telling myself again, as, as someone who was self-motivated and, and tried starting their own company and, um, you know, d- doesn't need someone standing over their shoulder telling them, um, you know, what and how to do something or like when to work. Uh, I always just realized I could get my job done and I could still do other things outside of that. Whereas if you're stuck in one location, you can't just leave and go to the grocery store. You can't go to the gym. Like yeah. people don't just like come and go to the office, but um, you know, what, what's really important in your role is it's not just showing up and being there. It's like the success metrics. Mm-hmm. So if you're proving that you can be successful and you're putting numbers on the board, people shouldn't really be worried about where you're at or what you're doing yeah. every second of the day. Um, and so the second I was able to do this full remote world uh, and, and able to show, Hey, I can get my stuff done. It just, I think it opens the, you know, work life balance up. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to be again, like what we'll, we'll dive into. You can travel, but you don't have to just take time off. You can still work and, and get things done, which allows you to travel more because uh, you don't have, you know, unlimited PTO as much as yeah. it sounds like everyone does, but you, I mean, you have to work. So um, the opportunities are sort of endless. And I think it just really helps to kind of get you in the headspace of uh, you're not just locked you know, to yeah. the desk and locked to one location. Exactly. And you said something that I, I think is very, very interesting. You talked about working seven hours straight and going for lunch and then having to go back to the office. It's personally like everyone has their their, their style of work. But personally, I'm, I'm extremely productive in the morning. And, um, you know, like my wife and I, my wife is from Mexico. So we often go to Mexico and I work from there. And whenever I work from Mexico, it's seven hours uh, time difference, more or less the same we have right now. And a lot of my customers are actually in Europe. So when I wake up, I wake up at like, I don't know, around six, 6.30, I'm working until two, basically. And then, you know, we go for lunch and basically the work day is over and you can lead your life, enjoy the sun in Mexico and, and just like really enjoy, go to bed early and repeat. And so, uh, I always say to my wife, I feel like re- like early retirement. You know, you're, you're working really yeah. hard, but it's really cool because you have this energy, this really productive time. And so you can really focus on that. But then you, you, you're spending your afternoon just chilling and, and really enjoying yeah. life. And that's something I discovered, like going there and having this lifestyle. And I think like, you know, what matters for me, I'm, I'm a solopreneur, so no one's telling me what to do. But the, the thing is, I have to pay my bills. And so... I think the, the good thing with sales is that we have so many metrics. It's so easy to track what people are doing based on their results. But I think it's really stupid to say, hey, you have to be there. So you plug into your computer or your phone and call people. So that, that's something right. I really observed there. Yep. Yeah. And, and we, you know, tried and, and tested millions of different things as far as like, um, you know, when I first joined Chili Piper and, and got involved into like leadership and, and coaching and all that we tried really hard to say like, Hey, like, let's make sure that we have a like, consistent uh, time blocking and all that kind of stuff. But at the same point, like what you just said, right. Is I think a lot of people work differently too. Some people mm-hmm. I knew wanted to wake up at five in the morning and get after it. So they could be done by two other people. I know were like, you know, roll out of bed, probably go walk their dog and, and take the morning a little bit slower. And maybe they start at nine, but they're going to work later uh, as well. And mm-hmm. again, just as, as long as you're getting your stuff done and, and your goals, which are the success metrics, not the activity metrics to get there, are completed by the end of the week or the month or the quarter, whatever it is that you're tracking, like that's all that matters. So um, I think everyone works a little bit differently. And, and again, the remote 
world that we live in today allows people to really structure and, and own their day to day. And as long as you're, you know, seeing the, the goals being broken and stretching the limitations there, then like, who cares, you know, what you're doing with that other time? Like we don't own, own you. Mm-hmm. So you, you can live the life that you want to live and spend it how you want to, just like we want to see, you know, that you're still performing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's one thing that is, um, I think a big, a big uh, problem and a big question, or maybe not a problem, but I'm really happy I got you there to tell me about that. But how do you build culture? Like, how do you build like for one thing? I remember, for example, when I started in sales, it was, uh, I had a team, you know, we were on the floor. It was more or less like a boiler room experience, European style. So not as hardcore, but it was just really cool. You know, we were, you know, really having this really nice mood and atmosphere. I loved it. It defined my career. Now I, I would hate actually doing this, but I've, I've gained all this experience so I can do it and just work by myself. So how do you get uh, junior people to really just go experience that and uh, have this very positive um, appreciation of the sales career? Yeah, I love that because I, I think I'm in the same sort of realm as you. Like, it, you know, our first sales floor was, you know, 10 people in a pod and we we're all calling together. And um, there's definitely, you know, pros and, and cons to everything like you know for instance I was actually down in San Diego which is where our headquarters are uh, for Mosaic and we were you know all sitting next to each other making cold calls listening to the AEs on demos things like that and the, and there's something that you miss there obviously the gongs and the choruses like those are to replace that but like you can hear like talk tracks and what people are saying and, and it definitely helps but outside of that like the culture that you bring up I, I was really fortunate that at Chili Piper Michael Tuso had been there for about a year or so um, when I joined and um, he had built a lot of, um, you know, processes and um, he had built a lot of the culture as well. Like he was, you know, a LinkedIn influencer at the time. I was just getting back into LinkedIn. So um, that's actually some person that really grabbed my attention and, and showed me, you know, what it was that to be a future remote sales rep or leader. Uh, so I learned a lot from him. But as far as like the building it out like right now what I'm doing and um, I think a lot of what I ended up doing once I took over for Michael on the sales development side is uh, you know goes into like trust and autonomy and um, accountability and ownership and I think those are just as big to learn uh, earlier on than it is to like to your point right like the fun side of like all calling together and and going through the the boiler room style um, to appreciate maybe what we have today I think is definitely valuable but at the same time, what we want to do now is, uh, you know, they always say, like, try to be the owner of your mini business within a business, right? Like, as a sales rep, you shouldn't feel like just a, a pawn that someone's moving around making you do activities. Like, you should feel a little bit of ownership and accountability that what you do drives revenue and what you do drives, you know, success of the entire company. And so I think now, again, with this remote world, it's, okay, like, let's onboard you. Let's teach you the, uh, what you need to know. Um, we'll constantly do coaching, whether it's, you know, email, phone, prospecting, personalization, millions of different things. But at the end of the day, like there's so much ownership and there's so much trust and there's so much autonomy that like, I want you to feel that's going to make you again, work, whether it's harder or better or more efficient. We're giving you kind of the keys to the car and and telling you how it works. But like, I don't want to sit there in the driver's seat the whole time. Like I want you to go out and be your own person. So I think the, the earlier that people get that, um, you know, again, it goes into kind of the happiness in the role. Like no one wants to be micromanaged, right? No one wants to have someone literally like breathing down their neck, telling them how to do something. So when you do feel that, okay, 
they're giving me all of the traits and, and the skills to succeed. And now I just want to watch you blossom and like, you know, step out of the way and let you run. Yeah. Uh, and then you're there, you're there to help them when there is any sort of issues. But um, again, I think that's the, the new world culture is mm-hmm. like here, like here's everything to succeed now go and do it. And like, I'm here to make sure that if something happens, like you're not going to fail, but um, it's really up to you at the end of the day. So yeah. um, I think like, yeah, ownership, autonomy, trust, like that, that's sort of a new world uh, culture for sales teams. That's very interesting. And I think the, um, you said something where you, you basically the, the boss, I mean, you, you have your own mini business basically when you're in sales. So I think it's, it's a great way to see that. Um, I have like a, a good friend. She's, uh, she used to work at VDR and now she's launching her business. And uh, I think it's called DealDesk. And the idea that she's trying to do is to, enable you know the kind of creator economy inside of a company inside of a slack so basically i give you an example my wife she works in sales uh, at a company called contentful she closed a massive deal like a month ago and she got like invited to share what she did you know just like the experience the let's say you could call that a postmortem in front of 300 people uh, in a zoom call and people went nuts you know and they started contacting her and asking calls and everything and so uh, she told me how she felt. She felt really empowered. She felt that she yeah. was really respected and it, she, she became extremely visible in the organization, and uh, which is a fully remote organization. And I think, you know, enabling people to create, to become mini creators inside of the organization where you do a talk, where you talk about a deal, but then you have software that allows you to take that, you know, and push it through Slack when people are onboarding and say, hey, you want to know how Ara did like the best onboarding or the best deal of of her life or whatever check this video and then check her mini kind of a checklist on how to do the same and i think that's coming back to uh i'm not a user of tiktok or whatever but like zoomers typically love creating content so right. it takes that to you know like people now, now now living online so i think the culture is is moving online and we can really like enable people to become mini creators inside of the organization and that's what they need and the boiler room stuff was good for all dudes like you and me, but young people who are starting now, they want something different. So what's your take Absolutely. on that? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I, I never really thought about it like that, but to your point, right? Like, yeah, everyone, our generation or below is like, they are content creators from yeah, Instagram and now TikTok to your point. I don't have TikTok, but my niece, you know, she's 12 years old. It's all they do. They, they watch, they absorb the content on there. They want to create their own. Um, and I think, yeah, again, we had like a, a leaderboard on the sales floor that like would show, you know, um, but I remember when that came out cause it wasn't there when I started, it was, you know, we, we had, I think the first setup was absolutely nothing. You just hear people close deals and maybe like we hit like, yeah, mini gong or something. And then I remember it turned into a, uh, a horn. So when like a deal would close in Salesforce, that horn would blast off. Then we got the big screen TV up on the floor and we had all the leadership boards on it. Yeah. Now you have, uh, to your point, like Slack integrations and things. So whenever something closes, so it's always going to be there. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's a great way, like LinkedIn is almost a little bit of that. I mean, it's a lot of it, but you're showcasing like your talents, you're showcasing your personality, you're showcasing all these things that um, don't just die off because we're, we're remote now. Like if anything, you're allowed more of it yeah. And people can engage with the pieces that they want to, and, and they don't have to engage with all of it. So, um, and I mean, maybe if we're even talking deeper down the level, right into the, the metaverse and things like that, like who knows what sales is going to look like yeah. in two years or three years. Um, it's going to be very interesting, but 
um, to your point, like, yeah, I think everyone does to the most, uh, most part want to create content. I mean, who doesn't want to share their life? Right. And then at the same time, there's a lot of people out there who love to absorb it because they love to learn. They love to be entertained. Um, and I, and I talk about how, again, like coming back into sales after taking that break, LinkedIn, when I left was, was simply prospecting. Yeah. And then when I came back three years later, that's when I saw like these, you know, LinkedIn influencers. And I was like, whoa, this reminds me of Twitter or reminds me of some sort of like YouTube kind of thing. But what I realized too is, yeah, there's a lot of things on there where people are, you know, pumping themselves up. But at the same time, there's so much great content on there that's free and people can learn from. And like so many of the, the skills and little tweaks and stuff that I've made in the past four years have come probably directly from something somebody said on LinkedIn or something yeah. someone posts about. So um, yeah, I like that take though. I am curious to kind of see what the, the future looks uh, as we get even more into this uh, content creator like economy. Yeah, I think it's just super exciting. And um, I think like people like in sales, they, they want to uh, often, you know, one thing I found is when you're in sales, you you like to be at the center of attention. That's something I've seen in a lot of people. And, and personally, like I built my own business because I knew I couldn't become a manager or a VP or whatever, because I love to be at the center, basically. And so I think in sales, the people love to shine, you know, and just to show yeah. the world how good they are, or maybe what they learn from a failure, for example, but they just love to be at the center of the narrative. And I think, you know, it's really about, about this. And if you are able to create that for young, uh, you know, like creators who, who are just like, you know, happening to be in sales, you're going to get a lot more, you know, out of just like giving them, uh, you know, like more money or asking them to work more. I think it is. Absolutely. I'm also curious to know about if we talk now about, let's say the remote part. So for a lot of people, it's working from home. But for you, it's been working from home and working from many different places. So how's a typical year looking like for you? Yeah, I uh, I think, one of the, like I mentioned, one of the things that always made me sad was I want to see you know as much of the world as possible. I want to travel. My sister lives uh, outside of London. Um, I have friends that kind of live all over the world. So being able to travel and, and see them and then go experience new places was always something that I thought, you know, maybe I have to be a teacher or something. I need to, I need to have that like summer off or that winter off or something where I can really go and see the world because a normal nine to five job won't allow that much traveling because I get my, you know, set days. Um, and, and so again, the remote world allows me to travel while working, which I have no problem doing. Um, I love to do it if anything, because it gets you kind of in a different, you know, headspace, you're in a different atmosphere, even like we joked about it before, like, I think just the change of scenery, whether it's like looking in this direction that I'm sitting right now or going, you know, 15 steps away and sitting on a different chair with a different wall behind me, like that changes just the way that I'm going to work throughout the day. Uh, so then that, you know, that's tenfold if you hop on an airplane and now you're working from like England in a pub or Mexico on the beach. So um, what does a typical year look like? I'd say, you know, I'm working out of my office, probably two to three days a week. Mm -hmm. The other two days, I, I'll work from like the couch or I'll go to a coffee shop or I've had a WeWork before, like a remote working environment. I like those as well. And then I'll sprinkle in those trips. So um, to your point, yeah, I think the first like post I, I really brought up about remote working was when I got to finally meet one of my, uh, he's actually my first hire at Chili Piper, Tyler Boyd. Um, and we went and stayed in a a nice cabin up in snowy Tahoe for about a week and we just worked the whole time um, and it was it was amazing because again like 
remote world is fantastic. I'm never going to go back to a full-time office, but you miss a lot of things that, uh, whether it's collaboration or, like I said, just listening to the way people have their talk tracks, like in person. Um, so it was crucial that we did that. Um, but I, I, I loved just getting out and, again, having the change of, change of scenery, looking over the lake on a nice snowy day. Like you said, we had a, some whiskey in our photos as well. Uh, but just catching up and, and hanging out with humans um, is always fantastic. So outside of, uh, you know, just kind of the day to day, I like to get out, whether it's, uh, you know, because Tahoe is only about an hour and a half. So that's something that I could do every few weeks. Um, to the other point, like when we first started chatting about this topic, I was down in Mexico for about three weeks. That's something I'd planned for a while. Um, Mid-COVID actually was supposed to be my most traveled year. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go to Cuba for four weeks. And I was going to try to figure out how to work from there because I know the Wi-Fi situation sometimes isn't perfect. But um, I, I would love to go to Japan. I want to work out of there for about a month because a lot of these places too, I don't want to just go and travel there and, and see it for a few days. Like I want to, you know, immerse myself in the, the culture and the environment and, and spend a good chunk of time there. And so, um, you know, for the future of uh, 2022, I don't have a lot on the schedule yet. There's a lot of weddings and stuff. So we'll see how those go. Um, but I would like to take at least, you know, two or three trips that are a good week or two plus and uh, work from a, a new space and, yeah. and get some new ideas and meet some new people. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, one thing is, uh, for, for me, I, I, I live in Berlin, and in Berlin, there's a lot of people from uh, different places, and there's also a lot of people from Canada, the US, Latin America, and some of the most brilliant people that I've actually been working with were from there. They have this kind of international cultural background, they speak two, three languages, and they came and thrive here in Germany, which is, you know, not an easy country to do, and um one, one thing is, for example, my wife is Mexican. She has family over in Mexico. And uh, the what I find like unbearable is to think that, you know, if you're in, you're in, in let's say in Europe, you can have five to six weeks of holiday. So it means that you're going to be able to spend maybe two or three weeks with your family per year in Mexico and the rest you can do it here. And I'm just like, that cannot work. You know, you have family, you have to be able to spend as much time as you want, you know, over there. And so yeah. I think... You know, being able to take your setup with you and work from anywhere is extremely important for these kind of people. And so I think it's a competitive advantage if you're a company, if you want to attract talented people who are diverse, speak different languages and, and came from somewhere else. I think it's it's really crucial. Oh, no doubt about it. That's uh, that's a really good point that I think is very underappreciated. As well. Again, when I joined Chili Piper, uh, there's two other SDRs. One was... Uh, living in Colombia at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one was in the UK. And it's like, you're not stuck to the geographic boundaries when you're hiring around the world. So like, yeah, the talent pool, it's an infinite mm -hmm. amount better when you can hire wherever, whenever, rather than, okay, we're just stuck in, especially these places that aren't in like the tech hubs, right? Like there's companies yeah. out coming up all over the place. You don't need to be in San Francisco. You don't need to be in Seattle or Chicago or New York or Austin mm -hmm. or Atlanta to have a really good team or to have something. It's like, again, to the Los Angeles writing thing. Like if you want to write a great script, you don't need to live in LA. You can live anywhere in the world. Just write the yeah. story and, and get it out there now and someone will make it. Um, and it's the same thing with this uh, like talent pool of the, of the remote world. Like the, if you're out there and you're looking for a job and you're good at what you do and you're passionate and you care, like you can work for a majority of, of the greatest companies now in the world. Mm -hmm that in the past and it meant you had to pack up your bags and go leave your family or your loved ones or whatever. And 
um, you know, move to San Francisco just to get yeah. a chance to work at that job. So um, I love the fact that that does allow, you know, people to work for companies that they can work for. And again, on the company side, you can hire these amazing, talented people mm-hmm. that don't need to live in, in a city that maybe they didn't want to live in in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm, I'm curious to know about um, the technical setup you need, especially around sales and sales development. So if you're going tomorrow to Mexico, for example, what do you need in terms of, of tech to make it work? Yeah, so I, I'm a big believer in having dual monitors for sure. Um, especially, you know, if, if you're prospecting, you're doing sales, like bouncing between different tabs just doesn't do it anymore. Um, I'm super spoiled here at my home setup. I have a giant curved monitor. Um, thanks to Mosaic for, for putting it in their office budget to let me get that. But um, if I'm traveling, I need to have a portable monitor. So I always forget someone asked me um, the other day and it's, I got it on Amazon and it was like 120 bucks or hundred bucks, but it's, you know, the same size or smaller than the laptop uh, folds up, just looks like kind of a, a notepad. Mm-hmm. Um, but just plugging that in allows you to just move so much faster. Um, I actually bought a travel keyboard and mouse. And again, the, I think the keyboard like folds in half. So mm-hmm. it's very small. I don't always bring it, but I definitely recommend it. Um, it's just, you can move so much faster and, and work faster, obviously with like a mouse and then the keyboard's nice. Um, outside of that, it, it really is just like, you need to obviously make sure that you have good Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. And that's like always under, uh, talked about like, People will go and, and if I'm checking into like an Airbnb, I'm always asking them like, you know, can you check the actual speed? Like yeah. I'll do the like, you know, digging deeper than just saying like, is it good? Because of course they're going to probably say like, yeah, it's fine. And yeah. you get there and it's, and it's not too uh, too hot, but making sure that you have a good Wi-Fi. Um, I'm not really a big hotspot person. I know a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally have a hotspot on my cell phone, but um, I'm usually with like a friend or a significant other that does have it. So um, I think that is important again, just in case the Wi-Fi uh, goes to crap, but the cool thing. Um, and, you know, we brought up Mexico, like Sayulita, Mexico, tiny town. I think if you Wikipedia, there's like 4,000 people in the population. There's a lot of working nomads there and a lot of people always traveling. So they have a really good setup of co-working spaces. And so nowadays, you know, also again, if you want to attract, the younger crowd that's going to be bouncing around and working remotely. Like you throw in one good co-working space in your city or your village or your town and like the people will come. And so yeah. I think uh, just knowing, doing a little bit of research before you go somewhere so that if your Wi-Fi, your hotel or Airbnb aren't great um, or your you know hotspots not working that you know the places to go uh, to get it. I think uh, again, like that's really it. And of course there's millions of other things that you could bring to make it easier, but get your laptop, get another dual monitor, have some good Wi-Fi and like make the opportunities are endless there. Yeah, that's great. You just gave me an idea. So, um, you know, like uh, we're having uh, in Mexico, we basically go and, and live in a place called San Miguel de Allende, which is in the middle of Mexico. It's very different from the beach. It's a really beautiful place. It's well known in the US, but mostly for retired people. It's basically there's like millionaire houses everywhere. And uh, it's still cheap compared to uh, to uh, the US or, you know, it's expensive for Mexico, but cheap there. And there's kind yeah. of a slow movement where people who are younger with families are going there, but it's still very, you know, there's no kind of co-working space. And so uh, I'm thinking of maybe building one there because that would be a, a great place, you know, like excellent Wi-Fi. And then, you know, it's just like, think about like uh, a Mexican town in uh, Western this is San Miguel de Allende. So you, you sometimes you just go, you don't see a car and you're like, 
did I go like two, three hundred back, uh, years back in time? So um, <laughs> I love people that. would love it, you know. So I definitely recommend going there. I don't know if there's a good co-working space. There must be some kind of thing. But next well, time you go yet. to Mexico, uh, you know, you can build it. Yeah, that would be a great idea, I think, actually. So uh, yeah, why let, not? Let me know. Let me know about it. My friend actually had an idea, and uh, hopefully, if, if anyone out there ever listens uh, and and wants to build this, go for it. And he doesn't sue me or something. But now that all these people are like traveling in vans um, across like the U.S., there's people, you know, they renovate a van, they live in it, travel around, um, total working nomad style. They need hotspots for sure. But he was talking about having like van spots where you could stop and like maybe like, I don't know, fill up your thing with uh, gas, maybe have like a nicer shower, um, almost like a little camping kind of spot. But having in there like a little coffee shop with really yeah. good Wi-Fi and like just, you know, little co-working hubs that you could stop and then you buy like a guest pass or something so that yeah. you can get a discount as you travel around and, and they'd all be in spots in between like big metro areas. So, you know, you're, you're traveling from two large cities and there's just yeah. nothing in between. Well, there's this cool little co-working spot that a lot of people are stopping at. So um, I'm all about the more co-working spaces, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's, that would be a, a brilliant idea. So um, I, I think, you know, there's already in the U S there's a, a nomadic community basically that is existing. I mean, oh, yeah. often there's people who just can't afford to have a house. So they, they mm-hmm. go into different places and they take small jobs and everything. There was a movie I saw about that. Very interesting. But I think a lot of people, they just don't, they just want to be a bit more nomadic in their lives. And uh, yep. as society, we grew up to be sedentary, but a lot of people are just tired of that and they, they want to see something different. So I think it's, uh, it's really about building this infrastructure because there's a market and um, yeah, people that just have other priorities than two or three generations before. Yeah, no, and I think I was definitely heading down that path until I got a dog. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, I'm just gonna travel, and I'm never gonna have a home base, and like, I'll just, you know, have my bag. I didn't have any big furniture or anything like that, um, so it was definitely a reality. And then I, I got my dog, and then I was like, okay, I can't just like hop on a plane wherever and. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was just leaving him with my parents all the time. So it was less my dog and kind of turn into theirs. Yeah. So if it wasn't for getting him, I would have for sure been one of those people. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think it's um, for me, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and I've never been like, uh, I love comfort. You know, I, I just like, I like traveling, but I don't, I don't, you know, I would never just, for example, go into an RV. Like this is too much for me. So what okay. I, f- I feel is, building like an infrastructure where you can spend some time in places that are really comfortable, good Wi-Fi, but you can change yeah. scenery. And for me, like the ultimate dream is uh, chasing, chasing the sun, basically, where yeah. in winter here is just horrible. Like here in Germany, it's just, just horrible. So there's really nothing to do. Plus there's lockdowns every winter now. So you just want to get out of here. And so for me, the goal yeah. is to be able to live in different places. Europe, summer in Europe is just amazing. Winter sucks. So winter in Mexico is great. So we'd be able to live in different places, yeah. Oh, yeah, make that happen. I, I actually spent uh, a semi-winter in uh, Berlin and uh, Munich. And uh, okay. it was it was pretty cold and it was dark. And yeah, it was obviously pre-COVID, so it wasn't like a full lockdown. But um, there's nothing wrong with chasing the sun for sure. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, Matt, I, I learned so much. Um is there any last word, any, any, you know, like the stage is yours. So what do you want to say to people who listen to us? Yeah, I think uh, just, you know, one, I really appreciate you bringing me on and, and asking some questions and having a conversation. It's been fun. Um, the last thing I would just say is uh, again, to go into this whole, you know, remote work and uh, environment is like, 
think that the most valuable thing that someone sort of taught me was don't wait to like learn from whoever or wherever you're at, right? Like not everything that you know is going to come from your manager or your director or your VP or your CEO. And not everything's going to come within the company that you're at right now. Yeah. Um, there's so much content out there that's free, whether it's podcasts or it's, you know, just LinkedIn or it's article blogs. Like there's other people, find mentors, reach out to someone that you really enjoy their content and ask if you could just pick their brain, you know, once a month or once a quarter for 30 minutes. Um, don't be afraid to do that. Um, you know, again, going into the ownership and accountability, like take it upon yourself. Like if you want to get better, there's a million people out there that are going to help you. You just have to, you know, put in a little bit of the work and reach out to them. Um, and then outside of that, if you're unhappy in your role, you know, again, now the, the sky's the limit. There's a, a million places that are hiring remote work. Um, if you're not really, you know, getting anything out of your current company or, or if you're not in a remote uh, or flexible working environment, but you want to be, there's, you know, there's going to be opportunities out there. So uh, take it upon yourself to continue learning and, and uh, you know, creating relationships and finding a mentor. And, um, you know, also don't be afraid to, to try out the full remote world and, uh, and or flexible work. But uh, I'm, I've, we've been preaching, it, it was getting culty, I think, at one point, and it's funny timing with the with COVID coming up like that, but we would always like preach the, you don't have to be on a sales floor. You can work remote and have a good sales team yeah. and yada, yada, yada. We were like making posts and talking to people about it. And then uh, once uh, COVID took over and we saw a lot of, you know, teams succeed and uh, kind of showed that there was a lot more facts and evidence there, not just like one company or two companies, but the whole world could do it. Um, I think that was, you know, one of the silver linings that we can look at, um, you know, 10 years, 10 years back when we're hopefully completely out of this mess. Exactly. One last question for you. When do you release your online course about working remote? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's funny. We had a sales advisor and I was talking to him through some things and he's like, do you have this drafted up anywhere? I think this would be like a good article or post or something. And I was like, I don't know. And, and it's a good question. I would love to do something like that, but I feel like there's just millions of other things on my plate that are priorities. And um, I think I'll get to it eventually one day, maybe uh, when I take like a hiatus or a, a long trip and Maybe I just need a new change of scenery. Maybe when I make it to Japan, I can go relax yeah. and uh, get some inspiration and then I'll knock it out there. So maybe 2022 is the year. The thing you can do is take your flight to Japan and build an ebook while you're in the flight, put it on Gumroad for 10 bucks and you'll get so many people like buying for that. I would pay 10 bucks just to know more about what you're doing. So you could do that. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And now I feel like I need to do it because you just gave me all the... Uh, the steps to get there. So when I take a 14 hour flight, maybe that's exactly when I knock it yeah. out. <laughs> okay, cool. Great. Thank so you, thank you, Matt, for, for coming on the show. That was really great. And uh, yeah, happy traveling. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 Texas people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up. 